Welcome back to A View from the Couch. This is Rich. And I'm Jen. And today we are going to talk about the movie Tetris. Based on the video game? Not really. <laughs> no, not really. No. the It's based on how Tetris came to the world from behind the Iron Curtain of the Soviet Union. It's based on the licensing rights. Yeah, yeah. Sounds exciting. It does, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, so here's the thing: usually, a movie is based a movie on a about a video game is based on that video game. Now, admittedly, there's not a whole lot going on with Tetris that you could actually make a movie out of. But again, then again, there's not a whole lot going on in the game Battleship, and they made a movie out of that. And a Ouija board movie. Yeah. They make all kinds of game movies. Yeah. But Tetris is actually kind of a biopic. Yeah. Yeah. So what is your experience with Tetris? The game. The game? Yeah. Oh, I played Tetris a lot. What did you play it on? I think it was on a Game Boy. You had a Game Boy? Not right away. Not when they first came out. It was later. And then, was it on Nintendo? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what this movie was, so yeah. Right. Um, (laughs) I mean, technically, yes. Um, And we had a Nintendo, like, cube box thingy. GameCube? GameCube, thank you. I'm like, I can't remember what this thing is called, but I remember it was like a cube. Something cube. That came out much later. That came out in like the late 90s. Was it? Yeah. Maybe it was just a general console we had. The original console, just the NES, was a gray, flat, square box. Okay, maybe I had both Mm. at some point or the other, but... Yeah, whenever we whatever we had when we were a kid, we had a we had regular Nintendo, <laughs> and yeah, later on the GameCube and the Game Boy. So Nintendo systems is what I played on. Okay, yeah, pretty sure they had it on the computer though too, because I did. feel like we played it at school too. Yeah, they had it on computers. Yeah, I I feel like we played Tetris at school too. If mm-hmm. I remember, I don't think it was a lot because we played Oregon Trail a lot at school. <laughs> You know the old, old like DOS green screen, oh, yeah. like Oregon Trail. You have died of dysentery. <laughs> yes, exactly yeah. that one. Yes, I died of dysentery many times on the Oregon <laughs> Trail. Yeah. So okay. All right. Fair. How about you? I played Tetris for the first time on a Game Boy in 1990. I bought myself a Game Boy. I worked for it and I paid for it, and I was never a big Nintendo fan. I was really much more of a Sega person. Of course, this would have been uh, before Sega came out, so I wasn't really into video games at that time other than, like, Atari. But but the idea of a portable video gaming system was absolutely fascinating to me, so I saved up and I bought a Game Boy. And Tetris was what came with it. And I played the shit out of that game. Played the shit out of that game. Yeah. It's yeah. a fun game. It is. It is. Do you still, when's the last time you played Tetris? Probably over 20 years. It's been a long really? time. It's okay. been a long time. Well, we have it downloaded on the PlayStation. Did you play it? I've played it since before before we saw this movie, I've played ah. it. So, yeah. 
Anytime I see Tetris, I'm always interested to see how the interface works. Okay. So. Well, maybe I'll have to give it a try after the podcast here. Yeah, maybe. All right. Why don't you tell us who is in this movie besides Ted Lasso? What? Ted, what? Ted Lasso? Jason Sudeikis. He is not in this movie. But this movie was directed by John S. Baird. It was written by Noah Pink. We have Taryn Egerton as Jason Sudeikis. Rogers. Oh. Playing at, Hank look, Rogers. Look, look at Taryn without a mustache. I'm telling you, they don't look alike. With a mustache, <laughs> he looks like he should basically be <laughs> like, look like coaching British football on the Apple Apple TV. That's what he should, that's what he looks like. We have Nikita Efremov as Alexi, mm-hmm. Toby Jones as Robert Stein, Roger Allum as Robert Maxwell, Anthony Boyle as Kevin Maxwell, and Ayani Nagabuchi as Akimi Rogers. Yes, I don't know hardly any of these people, except for Ted Lasso and Toby Jones. You don't know Anthony Boyle? I think he's in stuff, isn't he? Who the hell is Anthony Boyle? The name sounds familiar. I couldn't even tell you what he is in, but the name sounds familiar. Like, I should know what he is in. Never heard of him. Toby Jones, I know who that guy is. Toby Jones is in all kinds of stuff. But I have no idea who Anthony Boyle is. Yeah. I guess I don't either. That name sounds familiar. I got to look it up now. It's a very basic name, Anthony Boyle. Makes me think of Peter Boyle, but. Yeah, I don't don't know know anything that he's been in, really. So, yeah, I don't know the guy. Never mind. Cut that out. (laughs) No way. I'm leaving it in there. (laughs) Anything that leads to discussion stays in the show. Shall we talk about the story? Let's. Okay, so 1988. And Hank Rogers of Bulletproof Software is at a convention in Las Vegas. He's trying to promote this game that he created, which is like, he calls it chess, but harder. And nobody gives a shit about it. But they get, they get their attention turned to another game called Tetris. And Hank is immediately hooked on this game and this is, seems to be the the like what happens to people with tetris like you start playing tetris and then you can't put it down it was the like the original game that you can't put down you know yeah mm-hmm. yeah so but hank goes to his, a bank manager that he's working with whose name is eddie and he tells him that you know tells him the story about tetris and how he wants to or he is the now the licensee for PC, game console, and arcade rights to Tetris. And then he tells him about the history of it, how its creator, Alexei, created the game as a while he was a programmer for the Russian government, but he kind of did it on the side. He kind of uh-huh. created the game on the side. And with some help from his co-workers, Alexei turned Tetris from a simple set of parentheses falling to like a colored blocks like we know of as Tetris now. Mm-hmm. And it spreads organically throughout like the like Russia and the Russian states or the 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 Soviet states. People are playing this a lot. Mm-hmm. A couple of years after, so this would have been what 86 or something like that. Robert Stein from Andromeda Software discovered Tetris 
because he goes around. What he does is this guy is a guy who would go around like buying up game properties for cheap and then selling them to the states, to the U.S. It was kind of interesting. I mean, I didn't know how any of this works, but you've got your programmer who sells it to this person who's kind of the in-between person who sells it to this person who then sells it to like the Nintendos and Sega people of the world right. who then turn around and put it on their systems and then sell it out. It's it's like there's so many middlemen in this process. It's, it's, it's crazy. That is capitalism. So. And then poor Alexi here's not getting a dime from his invention. Again. Capitalism. Not a dime. Mm-hmm. So, so Stein pesters Alexi's bosses so that he can get license his licensing request to like the main group that 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 kind of oversees Alexi's area. Stein goes back to London to meet with millionaire, no billionaire, media tycoon Robert Maxwell and his. Son Kevin, these guys are of a place called Mirrorsoft. They're a company, a software company called Mirrorsoft, to get an international licensing deal in exchange for Stein getting royalties. So he buys this under the promise of money coming from Maxwell, mm-hmm. and then he wants Maxwell to pay him mm-hmm. for buying it with his own money. It's always a racket, man. Yeah, it's always that's a what fucking I was saying. Racket. It was like you, it, yeah. it's supposed to trickle down to the other person. Well, how ergonomic of but you. But it, it like stops midway. Mm-hmm. And like so Stein and Alexi weren't getting anything no. off of, uh, it stopped at this Maxwell character. Right. So Hank is, when we get back to Hank, he's still talking to Eddie and he's telling Eddie about how he went to Nintendo HQ in Japan and met with the CEO Hiroshi Yamuchi. So in real life, these two are uh, were friends, and Which they, two? Hank and Hiroshi. How do you say his Yamauchi? name? Yamauchi. 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 Hank and Hiroshi Yamauchi, because they both liked the game Go that Hank invented, but it was a board game. Oh. And so they originally bonded over that. Oh, interesting. And so, yeah, apparently they would, they, it wasn't like they were besties or anything and hung out all the time, but they were friendly, you know? Hmm. Interesting. So he shows Tetris to Yamauchi and he's, he's impressed by it. He likes it. He offers Hank $500,000 to buy him out. But Hank says, no. I want to partner with you. And what he wants, what his plan is to work with them to get Tetris on Nintendo consoles mm-hmm. first. And he, he does this, he, like the way that they, the way that they kind of shorthand this is he bonds with Hiroshi by comparing the two of them working together to like Mario and Luigi or Zelda and Link. And it works. The guy's like, okay, well, let's do this. But Hank, but Hank needs $3 million. So he 
is what that's why he's after that's why he's talking to this Eddie guy. He wants the three million dollar loan so he can make Nintendo cartridges and make arcade consoles for it. Then Hank or excuse me, Eddie then Eddie agrees once Hank has increased the interest rate and puts his own house down as collateral. So this dude is all all in on Tetris at this point. Hank later speaks with Kevin, who is the Maxwell's son. And Kevin tells him that he and his father have already sold the rights for arcade distribution of Tetris to Sega in Japan. And so this sends Hank off into like a kind of a, like a tizzy. And he goes back to Nintendo to speak to Yamauchi and ask for like residuals. He wants to get money in advance. But Yamauchi says, hey, you know what? How about this? I want you to go and meet my team in Seattle. They have something they want to show you. So he goes to Seattle. Hank goes to Seattle. And he meets with Nintendo, Nintendo's president, Minoru Arakawa, and the VP Howard Lincoln. And they show him, after making him sign an NDA, mm-hmm. they show him the Game Boy which is like the big thing. This is the this is the big reveal. Like this was again 1989 when when that came out. Nobody had really done it. I mean, the Atari Lynx beat him to the punch by maybe a few months. Mm-hmm. But Nintendo really splashed down with the Game Boy. They had that name recognition in Mario and Tetris too. Well, yeah. You know. So they are planning to release Game Boy with Super Mario Land, but Hank convinces them that it should be packaged with Tetris instead. And the way he does this is he basically programs Tetris into their computer, like just real quick, Mm -hmm. and lets them play it. And they play it and they're like, holy shit. Holy shit. Then Hank goes to London to meet with the Maxwells, and he wants to buy the handheld rights, but he doesn't get a clear response from them. So he takes off and Kevin tells or asks his father about some money that apparently has been missing from the employees' retirement funds. Maxwell tells him that they're just trying to balance the books. That's gonna yeah, come up later. They're they're cooking their books. Yeah, they are cooking the hell out of their books. So this little side story. Yeah. I know it kinda comes back to play later. Well it does come back to play later. But at the time, I don't know. There's so much happening here. Yeah. There's so much back and forth that I was starting to have a hard time following <laughs> who had stakes in what at what point right. or where were they. And, and I'm guessing that was probably true in real life, too. There was a lot oh, of people sure. involved in this thing. Yeah, a lot of moving parts. Here's the thing that I think is important about this particular side story it will become clear to the Russians who are trying to sell Tetris that these guys don't have the money, that there's no way that they can yeah, do Yeah, they're this. overbidding the other people, but they don't have they don't the money They don't have the cash, it. right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's why this is important to kind of lay the groundwork here. Yeah. In, 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 as much as it, it just adds a layer to it mm-hmm. that you really have to kind of pay attention to, which, I mean, you do. There's a lot going on in this movie. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like it's almost like a spy novel, this yeah. movie, in that there's so much happening and so many, like I said, moving parts yeah. that it comes off like it's a James Bond story. <laughs> Except there's no 
cleverly named female femme fatale. On his way out, Hank runs into Stein, who had been arguing with the Maxwells because they wouldn't give him his payment for it. Again, this is probably another a little bit more to add to the whole, mm-hmm. hey, we don't have money. We're not we're not liquid right now. Right. And Hank and Stein make a deal for handheld rights. Meanwhile, the guys in Seattle call Hank to let him know that Stein is selling handheld rights to Atari for $100,000 as payback for the Maxwells not paying him. So Hank decides he's going to travel to Moscow himself and go to the the government people and say, look, I'm going to get this. He goes to get it himself. The guys in Seattle tell him, you can't go into communist Russia. Right. It- different time period there's a lot of stuff happening politically yeah um you can't go for work purposes like what he was doing right yeah the the thing to remember about this and people that maybe are younger that didn't live through this this we're we're right now in this as far as the story is going where they are in this story they are on that we are on the cusp of the fall of the soviet union this is basically everybody's bailing out and it's starting to become more of a cover your own ass kind of a situation with Mm -hmm. everybody involved. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Russia is kind of a hotbed at this point, but Hank goes anyway. And when he gets there, he meets a woman named Sasha who becomes his translator and uh, she takes him to the government building, which is called ELORG. I don't know what is it. Do you know what that stands for? No? no okay. I, I don't know. Yeah. But she warns him and she said, look, we're going to get in trouble. You can't just walk in without an invitation. But he ends up, he's like, no, nope, I'm going in. They go in and meet with the president of ELORG, whose name is Nikolai Belikov. And Hank explains the business to him. He says, look, he, you know, he wants handheld. It's mm-hmm. desperate for handheld. Yeah. But he finds out that Elorg has only licensed PC rights and not for console, not for handheld. Nobody has these rights to sell, mm-hmm. and yet they're selling them mm-hmm. as if they do. So Hank gives Belikov a copy of the original Japanese, or not the original, but the Japanese version of Tetris. But Belikov says it's an illegal copy and calls him a thief. And Belikov tells him to leave, but Hank convinces him to meet him again to discuss the conditions of the deal. And on their way out, he's approached by the KGB. (laughs) And the KGB are like, get the fuck out. Mm -hmm. Get out of here. So, one of the, I think, the shortcomings of this movie is because they have to truncate so much of this it feels like the relationships that get built get built quickly and are not as believable as i would like them to be right i think the biggest one is going to be with alexi but also this relationship with this belikov character because later he's going to help hank acquire what he's looking for mm-hmm. and there's no clear reason why, other than maybe spite or revenge, he would help Hank suddenly. I Yeah, I took it as kind of a revenge thing and also 
I think he likes Alexi and was trying to help Alexi too. I guess that's how I took it. But I 100% agree with you. Yeah. This is something that happened over a longer period of time in real life. Right. But of course, we're in what, an hour and a half movie? Yeah. You got to condense it. You got to do some shorthand here. Yeah. I think, though, that the shorthand here is detrimental to the telling of the story because. Mm We've talked about this before on the show where if if I'm not invested in the character, I'm not going to be invested in the storyline. The big example that I always use is Superman in the DC Extended Universe. If you introduce Superman in movie one and then kill him in movie two, I don't give a shit about him. We know that he's Superman, but he's not Superman as we knew him as Christopher Reeve. Whereas if they had killed Superman in Superman 4 in the original 80s movies, okay, people are going to care then, you know? That's the problem that we have here in kind of a different kind of a different format, obviously, but like we're to believe that Alexi and Hank form such a friendship that they become partners and they like Hank helps rescue Alexi and bring him to the US. It comes from out of nowhere in this movie. Yeah, I, they did try a little bit. Like they had Alexi have Hank, Hank over to his place. He meets his family. Yeah, but reluctantly and like you're like, yeah. okay, but So I they it just doesn't they feel... did try yeah. to get that in there to just see that okay, there must have been some relationship building going on here. Yeah. Do you, do you know the kind of relationship building I wanted in this movie was more like what we saw in what was that Adam Sandler one? Hustle, right? Mm-hmm. Where he and the the rookie whose name Cruz, right? Cruz Missile. They they bonded, but it it took the whole movie for them to actually bond, mm-hmm. and the fruition of that was seen at the end. This I feel we like have this... so much leading up to him even meeting Alexi yeah. that it just it seems like we only got about forty and minutes. I don't of think that. that's what the point of the movie is. I mean, the point of this movie is to tell us about this crazy hoops that these guys had to jump through to get Tetris out of Russia. Like, legally, agreed, agreed. Know? But I feel like a big chunk of it is told via the friendship with yeah, Alexi it, it is. and Hank. It is. And so. honestly, I don't want this movie longer. This is not a movie that needs to be longer. Just tell me this <laughs> story. So I understand why they shorthanded it. I do agree with you. It does f- feel a little like forced at the end. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I don't. I don't want to take extra time to see that when you already have to take so much time to explain these rights and how this works to me yeah. either that or make it a different story maybe or, it's more about the relationship and less about the detail on the computer rights versus handheld rights versus pc right you know yeah you know what i mean yeah i mean you can put it in a different format and tell us just a hair different story and maybe make it a little bit more emotional too yeah this felt very sanitary in certain ways, you know, we were watching like, like you said, some spy legal drama, or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the I think you know, this would have been like this feels like it could have been a Netflix documentary where they did like a five part thing about how they got. It I up. probably think I would have liked that better. I would have liked that better too. Yeah. So after Hank is told to get out, Kevin shows up in Moscow, Kevin Maxwell, and meets with Valentin Trifonov. 
a member of the Central Committee of the Communist Party and the head of the Department of Foreign Trade. And due to the Maxwell's connections to Mikhail Gorbachev, they believe they can have an easier way to acquire Tetris. But all under the table money stuff. All the under the table money Private stuff. Private them and stuff. Right. But the next day, Hank and Sasha return to the Elorg, where they meet Alexei for the first time. And they also meet with Trifonov and his men. And Trifonov accuses Hank of illegal practices, like showing up with a tourist visa when it's not a tourist visa. And so Alexei, Alexei doesn't really trust Hank because of what this leadership is saying about mm-hmm. him. You know what I mean? Right. Like... He's like, I don't know this guy from anybody, so right. why would I trust him when I have someone I do know and trust here telling me that he's this guy's a bad guy? Belikov tells them all that, look, nobody, nobody sold the arcade rights to Tetris. Nobody has those except for us. And while they're talking to Hank, Stein and Kevin arrive... And they are trying to meet with Belikov while Hank is kind of looking over the contract that they signed. And figure, they figured out that Stein basically stole the arcade rights. He shows them in the contract where it doesn't actually say, like, what do they, what do they call it? He said computer, right? Yeah, it says... And they didn't define computer. They didn't define computer so he, to yeah. have, like, key, like, they were talking about keyboard, what hand controls, stuff yeah. like that. Like, you had to differentiate yeah. because the councils are like computers so right you know technically he was right but it wasn't worded accurately enough it so was he was kind of sliding stuff under the table yeah without being real specific about it it was a way to work around actually getting what he wanted there so it was shady as fuck let's just call it what it was this there's a lot of shady people in this thing yeah so. yeah Belikov, and this was a, this was an interesting scene because Belikov is going back and forth between Stein and Kevin and Hank and Sasha, and he's kind of going back and forth. And he's and when Hank figures out that like they didn't they didn't define computer, he brings Belikov brings Stein a new contract to sign, and then Alexei gives Sasha and Hank a ride home after all this is done. They basically Belikov is basically like you come back tomorrow. And they're very curt. They're not. They're not like, yeah, we'll see you tomorrow. Shake hands. He's like, you come back tomorrow, and he like marches out. It's yeah. Like, Holy shit. Okay. All right. Later that night, Hank visits Alexi's home and has dinner with him and his wife. This is where we get the relationship bond, like the one moment of relationship. Yes, yeah, so I was going to say bonding. It's one moment through of it. this. Yeah. And really, it was a terrified Alexi and his wife. Yeah. Trying to because you're not allowed to just have strangers from other countries at your house in Russia and mm-hmm. in, in in Soviet Union at that time, and Nina at first says, you know, you stole Tetris. So after dinner, Alexei shows him the original version of Tetris, and then he lets Hank play. And then they hear a knock at the door, and then they freak the fuck out. They hide Hank in like. The bathroom, I think it was. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, or a, like closet. a closet. Yeah, yeah something. The bathroom or a closet or something. And then they go and answer the door, and it's just a little old neighbor lady looking for salt. Mm-hmm. But that's that's enough to kind of be like, all right, we got to get get this guy the fuck out of here. So they get Hank to leave, or they try to get Hank to leave, but Hank says, "Look, I want to keep talking to you. Come out with me. Let's go out somewhere. Let's go, you know, go to mm-hmm. a bar or something, you know." So Alexi takes Hank takes Hank to a 
club where he, they party with people who are separatists, basically. It's kind of like the people that are rooting for the fall of the Soviet Union. Mm -hmm. The people that want there to be maybe a different way, mm -hmm. you know? They're, they're rooting for the collapse of it. They, they all kind of party and they drink and Hank and Alexi bond to singing the final countdown, which is a catchy tune. Mm -hmm. honestly, <laughs> so. But it seems the KGB has been spying on Hank and he's been taking all, they've been taking all kinds of pictures of him. And then they end up threatening his family, his family. They go, they go to Japan and like confront his family, his wife and like threaten her, threatens her. Mm hmm and then they, there's a couple other ones that find Hank and they beat the crap out of him and they steal his pants. They steal his pants. Because mm -hmm. jeans. Do you remember hearing about that when you were a kid? Like in Russia, you could trade like a pair of jeans for like a car or something because they just loved American jeans. Do you remember hearing about this? Yeah, I do remember. Now that you mentioned that, I do remember yeah. hearing that. Yeah. Like jeans were a hot commodity over there. I wonder if that was a real thing. I don't know. We might I mean, have it to seems do a little looking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it seems to be that it seems that this movie is perpetuating that at least. I don't know if it's true or not. I don't have any firsthand experience, so I won't be able to speak intelligently on it. But that was the rumor going around back when we were kids. You could trade Levi's for anything over there. So when Hank gets back to his room. He found, finds that the KGB has tossed it. And Sasha shows up and she tells him that the CIA is after him. and Or excuse me, the CIA. The KGB might as well be the CIA. The KGB <laughs> is after him and tries to get him to walk away. And then she tries to kiss him. Which is really weird. It was weird. Until you find out later yeah. that she's actually in the KGB. She's trying to... She was there to get these, these incriminating photos yeah. of him kissing someone else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So anyway. So Hank and Stein go back to Elorg separately. Stein is complaining to Belikov about the new contract, but he ends up signing it. Hank confronts Belikov over everything that's been going on, and he tells him he, he wants to try and make a new deal for $25,000 in royalties up front and then 25%, 25 cents for every copy of the game sold since Hank is broke and he's kind of desperate at this point. Mm -hmm. He estimates that Tetris could sell as many as 20 million copies, which would net Belikov and the Soviets $5 million. Belikov meets with Trifonov, and Trifonov says, look, Tetris is going to go to Mirosoft. So that's what we're doing. And then they go to meet Kevin, and Belikov says that Mirosoft can have Tetris if they're wired a million dollars within a week. I think at this point that Belikov knew something was up. These guys were coming around talking shit about how much money they could spend on it, and then they weren't giving any money over. Right. So he knew. He was like, look, you sign this intent, the letter of intent, mm -hmm. and you get me that money, a million dollars in a week, and you can have the rights. Yeah. And that's when the clock starts ticking. So later, Belikov ends up visiting Alexei in his apartment. He tells Alexei that Tetris is going to go to Mirosoft and that Belikov is going to be removed as the head of Elorg unless Alexei can make things right. So he gives Alexei a letter of intent to fax to Hank, which he does. He does like, and this is where we get more spy shit, right? Like mm -hmm. he sets a fucking fire yeah. so that he can go into this woman's office and use like the one fax machine in the whole building. Yeah. I thought that was kind of funny. 
Then Hank gets that letter and he goes back to Nintendo and he confronts the the guys in the Seattle office, that Arakawa and Lincoln guy, and shows them the letter. And then he says, hey, Atari stole Nintendo's patent and, he's, and it's selling Tetris cartridges. And Hank says that the Stein uh, that Stein and the Maxwells lied, and that the letter expired. Their letter expired the day before, meaning that Atari has zero rights to Tetris. This I guess is, that actually happened. Oh, really? This is amazing to me that like people are selling stuff that they don't actually own. Yeah. Like this is this is how this is like my God. Let's see, like, like Atari believed they had a legit contract with Mirrorsoft. Like they would they have no other way to know that Mirrorsoft never actually owned that. I think now there's a lot more legal stuff in place right. to avoid stuff like that. But apparently Atari did have to go, I think they had to pay out a bunch or they had to pull some copies or something. But apparently mm. if you still have a Tetris on an Atari cartridge, they are worth tons of money because they are so rare at this point. Really? Yeah. I suppose they would be. Yeah. I don't know anybody that had that, but you know, if you did. <laughs> so this information is what, convinces what Hank uses to convince Arakawa and Lincoln to go to Moscow with him. So these are the guys that were like, you can't go to Moscow. That's not work. But because they now know what what hangs in the balance, they're like, okay, I guess let's just fucking do it. Yeah. So they take off. And we find out that Alexei has lost his job. And he finds, he goes to his house and he sees that everything's being moved out. He's being relocated to a different place because, what, he's a danger to communism or something? I don't know. But Because stupid reasons. Well, yeah, they really are <laughs> stupid reasons. So we find the Maxwell's deal is starting to fall apart even more. Sasha is... he. She finds out that... Trifonov is trying to angle for like personal gain instead of gain for the country. Right. So she calls him out and Stein confronts the Maxwells and he kind of punches Kevin in the face, which is great because he's a snivelly little bastard. Yeah. So that, that felt good to see Stein give him a goal, give him the old whack on the face there. That was cool. When they get back to Moscow, when Hank gets back to Moscow, he goes and finds Alexei, but Alexei doesn't want to see him because he lost everything because he was working with Hank. Mm-hmm. This is the only reason. The KGB had these pictures of him working with Hank, or at least not even working with him, just fucking talking to him. Yeah. And yeah. so they ruined this guy's life. Yeah. But, so he doesn't want anything to do with Hank. But the, I think it was the next day, the Maxwells go to Elorg to get their deal signed. But then Hank, Arakawa, and Lincoln show up. And this is where we kind of get this confirmation that the Maxwells don't have any money. Hank calls it out. He's like, you guys don't have it, do you? You don't have the money, right? Is that what's going on here? That's why you guys are so hesitant? You don't have it, right? So I think that's when Belikov is kind of like, yeah, I kind of figured as much, right? You can kind of see it on his face. He's kind of like, yeah, I suspected as much, and now this guy sees it too. So I definitely see that. Belikov signs the contract with Nintendo and then tells those three to get the fuck out of Moscow right now. Like, Mm -hmm. they've got to go. But, (laughs) and so we get 
this scene where it was it's like a chase there's mm-hmm. a chase where they're chasing him to the airport mm-hmm. with Trifonov going after Hank and Eric Harrow and Lincoln but Alexei shows up and picks them up and drives them to the airport so Alexei's had second thoughts maybe I guess mm-hmm. I don't know so we get this high-speed chase the KGB goons are going after him and they get to the airport and they hop on the flight the first flight out they don't even bother they're just like what's your first flight out yeah and what's great is they you can kind of see what's coming. Yeah. I liked the idea of this, but it felt poor in execution. They were trying to do that Silence of the Lambs thing. We're like, oh, they're showing up at the wrong door, you know? Yeah. Like, the KGB guys go looking for the flight to Seattle, and there's nobody on the flight to Seattle that's the, any of these three guys. I see, and I didn't even connect that till. Oh, till really? Were, yeah, I didn't connect that right away. And, and then when they were running out when the KGB guys were running out to where the plane was, I'm like, they said first flight out. They're not on that flight. (laughs) Yeah. I caught that right off the bat because I was like, wait, why didn't they say first flight to Seattle? They just said first flight out. Yeah. And it makes sense. They're being chased. They're like, oh, okay. Just get the hell out I'm like, gotcha. Okay. So that's, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Gotcha. So they, do you remember where they were? Were they going to... Where were they? Where did they end up flying? I don't even remember. Was it Luxembourg or something like that? I don't remember where it was either. It was in Europe somewhere, but either way. Yeah. It, that's how we find out about it. It's ends up the PA is like, hey, we're going to arrive in blah, blah, blah yeah. at this yep. time. So, m- Meanwhile, Trifonov gets arrested for treason by Sasha, who seems to be a good guy at this point. I don't, I don't know. I think she... I don't know that she's a good guy. Yeah. But I feel like... She was not okay with him taking the bribes that he was taking, even yeah. under, it, because he was doing it behind Gorbachev's back and right. against his orders. Right. Yeah. He and was really trying to get his own personal gain. Yeah. That's, know. I think, why she had a problem with this. I don't see her as a good guy. I see her more as she's a little bit better morally bad guy than the other one i don't know <laughs> okay lawful evil i don't yeah know. i don't know okay. all right so hank goes back to his apartment in tokyo and he reconciles with his family and shows his wife the five million dollar check to his software company and then the game boy gets released with tetris and sells out twice in Japan before it even comes to the U.S. I didn't know that. That's amazing to me that it sold out twice in Japan before they even released it in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we get to see things like Gorbachev resigning, borders are being opened up in Europe, the Berlin Wall is falling. Which doesn't have to do with Tetris. Not at all. And, you know. <laughs> I thought it was like, why are they showing this at know. this point in time? I but all right. Yeah. And Hank gives Alexi his own copy of the Game Boy. He sends him a copy of the Game Boy with Tetris. So he sends with it airline t- tickets. With airline tickets, yes. And then Alexi and his family come to the U.S., where they apparently are moving. I, I mean, you know. And now this is where it gets like confusing because they didn't really set this up. Hank and Alexi give each other a big hug. They set up the whole like we don't do that American emotional stuff. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it was cute little joke there but it's not earned again because we didn't see enough of alexi and hank forming an actual relationship yeah. in my opinion this hug wasn't like an emotional like release at the end of this movie so and then we get like a lot of like 
1980s feeling like text at the end to tell us like all the stuff, stuff that they that didn't happened, fit into the yeah. movie, you yeah. know? So like Hank and Alexi worked together and created the Tetris company. Robert Stein continues to license games, but he never got over Tetris. Robert Maxwell stole $900 million from his pension funds for his own workers and racked up a bunch of debt. And uh, his media empire collapsed and then he dies from mysterious circumstances. Kevin gets arrested because he was, you know, because he stole Tetris, basically. No, it wasn't because of the selling no. Tetris. It was because of the uh, the bankruptcy stuff or the um, something else, the yeah. million, the monies that was the money that were taken from the, the pension funds. And uh, 2014, Hank appointed his daughter Maya the new CEO of Tetris Company, and Tetris has sold over a billion units as of the end of this movie, as of when this movie was released. A billion units. That's McDonald's numbers. Yeah. Billions and billions served. So early on in the movie, Hank is talking about when he sleeps, he can still see the Tetris pieces in his dream. (laughs) Yeah. This is actually a real phenomenon called the Tetris effect. The term was coined by journalist Jeff Goldsmith in 1994 to describe when something that one focuses on for extended periods of time starts appearing in their thoughts, perceptions, and dreams. (laughs) Have you ever had this Tetris effect? Me? Yeah. (sighs) Yes, but not about Tetris. Okay. I mean, I've had like, you know, other things that have like kind of plagued my dreams, you know? Yeah. So... I don't know if I've had it about Tetris myself either, but I know I've had this before where I'm trying to sleep and I'm just picturing something that I was working on that day or something like that. So this is definitely a real thing. The real Hank and Alexi reviewed the script and Rogers is quoted as saying, it's a Hollywood script. It's a movie. It's not about history. So a lot of what's in the movie never happened. But the Mm. filmmakers asked us a bunch of questions about what it was really like. They tried their best to accept our changes when they had to do with authenticity. But when it started getting into creative flourishes like the car chase and all that, it was like, okay, now it's all on them. We couldn't change anything. So the car car chase chase never happened. Him getting his jeans stolen never happened. Oh, really? Yeah. So so there's a few things in there they mentioned did not happen in Mm. real life. That is just for... The movie. See, that makes me wonder if the whole jeans, the whole Levi's you can buy a car with shit were made up, you know? Yeah, maybe. I I want to ask you, I've got in front of me here the top five video game sales of all time. Okay. All right. Why don't you give me a guess as to where you think Tetris ranks in the top five? Tetris, I would say, is probably third. It is. It is. Are you looking at it on your computer? No, I'm playing Tetris. Oh. Why are you playing Tetris while we're talking? Because maybe I mean, we're playing Tetris. Or we're okay. talking about Tetris and made me want to play Tetris. So I'm just going to play Tetris. While we any know. guesses as to what has sold more than Tetris? Super Mario Brothers. No. No. Nope. They are okay. one, two, three, four, five. They are seventh on the list. Okay, this blows my whole theory out of the water. Okay, Call of Duty. Nope, that doesn't even crack the top ten. Really? Okay. All right. Donkey Kong. Nope. I think newer games. Newer games? Mm-hmm. Newer than Call of Duty? Well, newer than Donkey Kong. 
Sonic the Hedgehog. No. Super Mario Kart. No. What? Okay, I don't know. Okay. Tell me. I don't know. Right. Gotta tell me. So, number one yeah. is Minecraft. Number Minecraft. one selling game. Jesus, okay. Well, I guess Number I two, that. this one is a surprise to me. Yeah. Grand Theft Auto Five. You know what? I am not surprised by that at all. It okay. has been out on three generations of consoles now. Okay. Three. Okay. They haven't made a new one since the PlayStation 3 was around. Okay. All they've done is remaster and remake and reissue that game. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. So it's it's the same one. Okay. Oh Jesus. Yeah. So it goes Minecraft one, Grand Theft Auto five, two, Tetris three, Wii Sports four. That's in disingenuous because Wii Sports came with the Wii. Well, it's still on here. And mm-hmm. then P U B G Battlegrounds. PUBG. PUBG Battlegrounds. I I have no idea. I don't even. I've never even that's heard a, of that game. Yeah, that's a that's a, one of those battle royale type games. It's kind okay. of a it's kind of in the realm of like Fortnite, but not as kid friendly, I guess. Okay, so. and then just to round out the top ten, we got Mario Kart Eight. So Mario Kart is in there. Okay. Super Mario Brothers. Okay. Red Dead Redemption Two. Really. The Witcher Three. Another one that's been remastered a bunch of times. And coming in at tenth is Pokemon Red, Green, Blue, Yellow. <laughs> Pokemon. Pokemon Red, Green, Blue, Yellow, Orange, Fuchsia. I don't know. It says Pokemon based. Red slash Green slash Blue slash Yellow. So they're, I don't know. They're if different games. No, they're different games. There's Pokemon Red. There's Pokemon Blue. Okay, there's Pokemon. so they've got those them were all, all Game Boy listed games. together. Yeah, those were all okay, Game Boy games so. for the Game Boy Color. Interesting. Interesting. How many of those have you played? I have played Tetris. Okay. I have played. I don't know if I played Mario Kart 8, but I have played Mario Kart. I've played Super Mario Brothers, and that is it. I have not played any of these other ones. Read me the list no, again. No, I'm sorry. Wii Sports. I played that one, too. Okay. Read me the list again. What's Minecraft. Number one? Minecraft I have played. I take that back. You I have played Minecraft. I got talked into playing Minecraft a couple times, and I do not understand that game. I, I understand, you know, they're just like, you just go do this and build things. And I'm like, okay, but how do you win? It's not a game it's to not. me. There's no, like, you don't win. Oh, my God. Like, where's, like, is there, like, challenges or what are you doing? And they're just like, no, you Survive. build. Survive. So it's. Survive it's, is the challenge. I don't know. Anyways, I didn't understand the game. <laughs> I did get it. And then the kids were, like, building things, tearing things down. I couldn't even, I, I think I got stuck in the corner of something and couldn't figure my way <laughs> out again. Oh, my God. That that was it. I, I was done with Minecraft. That's uh, <laughs> not for me. Grand Theft Auto, I've never played that. Okay. I've played that one. Tetris, we both played. We both Wii played. Sports. Both played. Both played. That PUBG Battlegrounds. I've played that. Never played it. Yeah. Mario Kart, Super Mario played Brothers. Mario Red Dead Redemption, I think you've played that, I've, right? I have played Red Dead Redemption 2, but not for very long. Only... I think I only put like maybe a couple hours into it. Okay. People will say it's like this fantastic game, but like I don't know what it is about that game that just didn't click with me. Okay. I, I may go back and try it again if it ever shows back up on the PlayStation Plus service. But I don't, I, I'm not going to go buy it. I'll, I'll only play it if it's included, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. so. And The Witcher 3? Witcher 3, I, again, one of the one, another one of those ones that I played a little bit and I was like, meh. Again, another game that people are like, oh, my God, The Witcher. You've okay. got to try The Witcher. No, I don't have to try The Witcher, guys. And then Pokemon. I have played Pokemon Blue. Okay. Someone I knew had a copy of it, and I played it. So. Okay. Yeah. 
All right, so uh, any other further notes that you want to throw in there? Any other no, bits? No, I think I've got it all covered. Pisses? How about you? I don't have any. You know what's funny is I didn't take as many notes for this. All right, well, if we don't have any other notes, why don't we do our thing? Do the keep, rent, or erase, Jen, and why? I'm going to go with a really light rent. I think it's got an interesting story in here, Mm -hmm. but like you mentioned earlier, it probably would have been better served maybe in a documentary style because there was so much going on. I was having a hard time keeping track of what was happening and in some cases, who was who? Like, how was this person related to what in this situation? I, I don't know. And... I think maybe in a movie format, what would have been more interesting is the relationship building between Alexi and Hank. Yeah. And maybe having the side story be part of this licensing problem instead of the other way around. Right. But I do think there I, I think there's an interesting idea here. Now, if you don't really give a shit about licensing rights or Tetris or anything like that, you maybe don't want to watch this. But I found it interesting enough that I thought it was worth a rent. I don't know if I'm going to go back to this again. And that's why it's definitely not a keep. It is it is a very, very mild rent from me. Mm. How about you? You hit on something right there. Licensing rights and the procurement of said licensing rights has got to be the most boring idea <laughs> for a movie ever. Now, I understand where they're coming from with this. It was a very unique method of having to procure right, you these rights. A crazy Russian thing happening yeah. here that that was probably causing a problem in what was mm-hmm. no, would be a normal negotiation. Yeah. I would have liked more to have seen more of the relationship building. I wanted to see more of behind the curtain, behind the Iron Curtain, of what was going on in Moscow at the end of the Soviet Union. Back, Make that the backdrop for Alexei and Hank's relationship, their friendship, and their building of that friendship, and then pepper in this other stuff, like you were saying. There needed to be more... It needed to have more humanity to it and this just felt like it was very by the numbers and there were a lot of fucking numbers they didn't relent and it was Mm -hmm. only an hour and a half why was this only an hour and a half make it a little bit longer if you're going to be telling us this stuff you need to throw in that relationship stuff because there's no way people really give two shits about this without the human aspect of it right you know, unless if you're watching a documentary, like you said before, because yep. then that's what you're going for. You're going for the information, data, learning aspect of mm-hmm. what's happening. Yeah. Now, I mean, is this a likable movie? I mean, barely, barely. I wanted to like it. I like the idea of it, I think, more than I like the movie, though. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to I'm teetering on the edge between rent and a race. And I feel like if you want to know more about this, they cram so much into this, wait for the inevitable Netflix copycat series and watch that. Yeah. See what you can find out there. This isn't the place to go for this because they, like you said, the, the, the original, the, the actual men said this was, you know, there's a lot of Hollywood embellishment to this. Mm -hmm. So this isn't accurate. It's an attempt to make something that's boring as fuck. 
Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I just, I wanted to like it, but it was just too, too dry for me. Too you dry for like me. don't like it erase the darn thing. <sighs> trying to think if there was something that would save it. Yeah. But there's only like moments in there that I actually enjoyed. The rest of it, I was, I was clock watching during this movie and it's 90 minutes long. I think we paused this like three times because yeah. it was like, oh, I need to go grab some water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm going to, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to say a race on this and it's with a heavy heart because I, I mean, I love Tetris and I think that they could have, they could have given us a little something better. They tried, they did, they gave it their best shot, but they failed ultimately in my opinion. So this isn't a race from me. So. All right. All right. So what is, what is next? All right. Next week we are covering Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Oh boy. Okay. Now you're talking my language. I love Indiana Jones. Like, you know, I love Star Wars. And, and Star Wars is a persistent thing in my life. I love Star Wars. I will watch Star Wars. I will listen to Star Wars music. I will read Star Wars books. But I have a very special place in my heart for Indiana Jones. I'm pretty sure when you and I first met back in the 80s, you had an Indiana Jones hat. I, I did. <laughs> I did. Do you want to hear? I'll, you know How what? I'll save we? it. How old were we? I would have been... 15? No, 14, it would have been 88. Yeah, it would have been almost 15. Yeah. It would have been 14. But you know what? I didn't have it at that point. That was Chad's hat. That was your cousin's hat. Oh, I thought it was yours. I got my Indiana Jones hat in 1991. Ah. I sent away for it. Ah. I could have sworn that was your hat. It's not my hat. Because you wore it like the whole time. I did. Because I fucking loved that hat, but it was not my hat. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I swear, I will swear to this day that that was your hat because nope. you wore it the whole time nope. you were up here. Nope. Not my hat. <laughs> my hat did not arrive until 1991. And you know what? I'll save the rest of that story for when we talk about Dial of Destiny. All right. Because there is some... <laughs> Do you remember when I told you the Jaws story about how I got in trouble in school for playing Jaws? Yeah. This is better. Okay. <laughs> this is probably better. All right. Okay? Sounds And good. I've got props. I'll find the prop <laughs> that I need to show you. Now, folks listening won't be able to, but you'll be able to see the prop, and maybe you can describe the prop to people. <laughs> okay? okay. All right. Sounds good. All right. So right here on the couch next week, Indiana Jones himself in The Dial of Destiny. Thank you for listening, everyone. You've been listening to A View from the Couch, a Space Moose Media podcast. You can interact with our hosts on Twitter by going to twitter.com forward slash view underscore couch. You can also email us at aviewfromthecouch at yahoo.com. If you've enjoyed this episode, please help us get noticed by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. Thanks for listening.